Can you walk us through maybe a little bit of the background of a SPAC and, and then how you're seeing them best used in today's environment? Sure. So a SPAC, it's S-P-A-C, and it stands for Special Purpose Acquisition Corporation. Okay. And then what happens is you have a sponsor. The sponsor has to come up with 10% of the cash. So when you see a $270 million or $300 million SPAC, you have a sponsor, someone behind it that's actually had, that's quite liquid, right? That's come up with 10% of that money. And sometimes even more. Sometimes the sponsor will put extra into the kitty to, to help make sure that the SPAC deal is successful. Okay. So what happens is you do an IPO with this blank check company. Its, it's purpose is to find an acquisition. It can be industry specific. You might have somebody, for example, that's very successful in pharma or biotech or, or aeronautics or, you know, but it can be that kind of specific where they create a SPAC. They know that they have a lot of contacts in that industry and that they're hoping they can go out and acquire somebody once they've raised all this money right? Or it can be completely industry agnostic. You can have somebody, which this happens a lot too, especially with bankers. A lot of bankers create SPACs. When I say bankers, I mean broker dealers create SPACs with no specific industry or acquisition targets. You would never have an actual target, but no specific industry in mind. And you go out and you raise money. You start to trade on a national exchange. And all the money that you raise, except for that 10% that the sponsor used to cover the cost of going public, sits in an escrow account. Okay, until there is an actual acquisition. Now, a SPAC trades, and a lot of people trade on the arbitrage or potential while that SPAC is trading, right, where there's no business in it, and you have a very specific amount of time in order to acquire a business. When you find a business to acquire, all of the shareholders that hold at the time of that that you acquire that business, so it may or may not be someone that was in the initial IPO because somebody could have traded out, but all the shareholders that are in it at the time that you're going to make that acquisition have an opportunity to vote on the acquisition. And they can vote for the acquisition and continue to be a shareholder after the acquisition, or they can uh, vote against it and ask to have their money redeemed. And they'll get their money back, right, based on the value of the money that's in escrow at the time that they redeem. And, uh, and, and then, you know, if, the, if you don't make the acquisition within the time allotted by statute, then also all of the money goes back, the SPAC folds, and it stops trading. So in today's world, there's a lot of M&A opportunity. Pharma is very hot. Uh, there's a lot of businesses that were now that we know now we know that were uh, undercapitalized or had a business model that wasn't uh, ready to sustain an interruption like COVID-19 has caused, and that creates buyer buying opportunities. Especially, you know, if you think that you can manage the business better, or you know, you can maybe if it's a conglomerate, you can maybe sell off pieces. But but there's a lot of opportunity to purchase those business, and for the private business that's a way to go public, right? They, in essence, a SPAC transaction is a reverse merger transaction. You acquire that business, bringing it public, and the team that runs that private business now becomes the management and the controlling team of the SPAC entity, which, you know, was just a shell. It was, it was there to make an acquisition. So it's, it's just a different way to go public. Uh, 
the benefit for the private company is, of course, it can be faster to go public than a full IPO. And the other benefit is that there is ostensibly cash in the SPAC. It's raised a lot of money. Now, in reality, a lot of people cash out when the acquisition is made. They actually were there for the arbitrage situation itself. So in reality, there isn't usually as much, as much cash in the, in the SPAC as you would think, but you know, it's still a very great way to go public and then you're trading on a national exchange. And as long as you have followed the rules properly, you traded on that national exchange, you don't have the shell company stigma that can emanate from a company that was really truly a shell and then made an acquisition in a reverse merger. How often do you see um, a SPAC being used for a single acquisition versus like a roll-up, which was the conversation we had this week earlier with John and Chad? Always, because you know, a roll, it's rare that you're gonna have a concurrent roll-up, right? It's rare that you're gonna have a closing on a SPAC deal where you're simultaneously closing on five businesses at one time, right? So it may be a roll-up strategy, but you're gonna start with one and you're gonna get your shareholders to agree to that one. That one will meet the requirements of the value and then you can proceed to, to roll up the rest of the businesses. As a public entity then, right? As a public entity, that's right. So you could go out there and swing for the fences on that first transaction, it'd be a larger transaction, gives you some momentum, as well as the liquidity of being public. Right, and you can have, I mean, you certainly can have letters of intent with additional acquisitions, you know, maybe you close two simulta simultaneously, but you know, more often you're gonna have the one that you're closing on and then you're gonna engage in your roll-up strategy. Is the, you, you had mentioned uh, national exchanges. Is this for listed and non-listed? So uh, a SPAC could be on a NASDAQ or, or on the big board? It can be on the NASDAQ, the NYSE American, or even the big board, right? Uh, it, it, on OTC markets, it can get onto the OTC QX tier of OTC markets, though that's fairly rare. It does not qualify at all for the QB or the pink sheet. So you're not, you're not really going to see a, a trading SPAC, that is. You know, there's, there's another way to do, it's called Rule 419, and, and there's another way to put some money in, in, in escrow and some shares in escrow on OTC markets, but those vehicles don't trade. So, you know, it's really is a national exchange deal. For more episodes, visit thedealflowshow.com and subscribe.